0: Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than
1: distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and f*** all tomfoolery with your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. Test, test. I should get the mic a little closer. Boom. There, right on top of that. That's one thing. That, so, so. you were saying like, I'm like a Laura Sanko super fan? Uh-huh. i I'll put it. I'll put it this way. I was. I was interested enough in her, like her analysis, and and I. I it's weird. I don't like using the word fan in general when it comes to MMA because I don't feel like I have a, quite the same perspective. But like, I was a whatever. I was a big enough of a fan where when she had a podcast, I was like, oh, I'll check it out. And I listened to like the first ten minutes of an episode, and the audio quality was like just not at studio level. I'm like, no, I can't listen to this and dropped it. <laughs> uh. So that, that's 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 a good um, a good breakdown of that, because I'm like, yeah, I'm enough of a fan where I would listen to the podcast for a minute and not enough where I'm going to stick through it be, be, where they didn't have exceptional
2: audio quality. It wasn't even bad. It sounded fine. Um, and uh, for you degenerates out there listening in podcast land, the reason that uh, we... We mentioned, or at least I mentioned to Jaffe uh, about Laura Sanko right before this, because we were like, "What are we gonna talk about today?" I don't fucking know. Well, I watched Dana White contender series just last week, and I saw uh, your little crush, and that's why that's why we led into the uh, Laura Sanko conversation. Yeah,
1: that's I, I keep trying to explain. She's not not really a crush though. Um, she's married. She's got a kid. I, I have no no interest in there. It's just a reminder that that. Uh, attractive women who are a little bit screwed up and have a sense of humor are out there. It's
2: like encouraging. Yes. I think I think uh well I definitely d- deserve one of those. I don't want a perfect woman. I want one that's just a little kind of it has an edge to her. Um hopefully we have uh similar passions and and belief systems and moral values. I I would hope um hopefully that uh imaginary girlfriend of mine is 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 kind of attractive you know intelligent for sure cuz god knows my brain and sp- spins and gears in ways that most other people their heads don't work like mine sometimes i think anyway enough about my imaginary, imaginary girlfriend welcome to our 7th our episode you crazy degenerate fools thanks for listening to the previous stuff again we didn't know what to talk about today um, but we were running over running through several um, potential uh, topics of conversation and we thought well we may as well kind of cover and wrap up the previous event in which uh steeped dc three um, do we want to go fight for fight or did you want to just talk about the main comain or How'd you want to do this? No, just
1: just just the main
2: event is, is fine.
1: I mean, if you want to talk about any of the other ones, you you run with it. But um, I my my main interest in that card was was definitely uh, relegated to, to the Cormier Mioshik fight, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how DC is going to feel about this. You know, in the in the long run, I mean, obviously, didn't he did not get the win. Uh, I think as a as a forty one year old, that was a pretty incredible performance. When you get right down to it, yeah. Um, and kind of, kind of, I mean, I, it would have been incredible if he had somehow managed to pull that off. And you know, I think for for one lapse of concentration in the second round, he actually might have been able to win. But eh, I mean, it, it, that happened. And the the thing that made me uh, for him taking this fight. Was because of how terribly everything went with his last fight. You know, his, 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 so this, so again, this was a trilogy. The first time they, they, they fought, it was, would have been a storybook ending for Cormier. He gets the knockout round one. He's the double, you know, champion of the world. It's great. Like, he should have retired. Yeah. But then he fucking didn't. You know, he, he ended up getting TKO'd in the fourth round. Um, and he, he just, frankly, he should have never taken that fight, but he was a good company man. And the, the you know the, the the extenuating circumstances in that fight where his his stepfather the man that raised him died of cancer the week before um, he had back surgery uh, that he was not fully recovered from so it's like he's going to that fight physically compromised mentally emotionally compromised and beat the shit out of Steve ayotrics for three rounds, but just fought like angry and dumb and reckless. And then it caught up to him and he got TKO'd and for, for him, I was just like, man, I could not fathom going out like that. That being the last fight, like the memory of your last fight ever, just being in emotional agony and frustrated and and knowing that you did not fight smart and to the best of your abilities and you, you, you fucked up a fight that you were dominating. Um, and so when I when I heard him say he's going to fight one more fight, it was only going to be against A, and that was it. Regardless of the outcome, he was done. I was like, all right, I can get behind that because he he might get knocked out in the first round. It might not even go as well, but there's not going to be all that negative emotion attached in the same right. way. Not not all the surrounding stuff, not the extra uh, the peripheral stuff. And it's like, if and if he goes in and, and he just get and he loses, then he loses, but he can, I think that's as a, as an athlete and a competitor. At least for me, that would be a lot easier to digest. So that all happened. He's going to have to deal with losing, but it's it's it was losing in a much different way, and I, and I think emotionally it would be much different. Does that all yeah, kind of make yeah, sense? Yeah. So that was a little he, he, monologue. He,
2: he, the, 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 his first loss is Steepe. All these other factors didn't allow him to probably put his best, best foot forward as a fighter and not just completely focus on it. He had too many distractions going on. Um, the competitor in him said, I'm going to go out with one last ride and um, win, lose, or draw. I think uh, I think he kept referring to his wife as being one of the main reasons why he decided he wanted to hang it up no matter what happened. He promised Selena this: this one's going to be the last one. Um... But again, I, I I don't know if you remember the last podcast that I told you I had this, this gut feeling, the same gut feeling with the JoJo girl, and I was with the, with the DC fight. I was like, I have this gut feeling like maybe he shouldn't take it. What's
1: but but why not? That's the thing. Like I I thought it was likely he would lose, but I still thought he should take I, it.
2: I, again, I I think I think um, the whole thing about legacy and how he's always going to be kind of. Even though he's gonna be one of the greatest heavyweights in the UFC history, right? He's 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 certainly up there. Mm-hmm. I I think I think a, a fighter as a whole um, is gonna be. He always came in second to somebody. Like we talked about that the last podcast. Uh-huh. He's gonna always be number two. Um,
1: but that's that's the thing. It would have been like that regardless. If he hadn't taken this fight, he he still would have gone out on a loss to Stipe, You know, getting. Getting TKO'd, and it would, and and going into this fight, I heard a lot of people say, "Oh well, he just got lucky that for." Even Stepe was saying, "He just got lucky that first fight. He he, I poked Stepe. He he landed a really lucky punch that Stepe couldn't see coming. And then in the second fight, you know, when there wasn't the eye pokes, Stepe TKO'd him. Like that was. That was the narrative going into the third fight. I'm like, I don't think it's going to get any worse than that. So like,
2: fuck it. I mean, yeah, I know, I know you're. You know, I know. I, I I like DC too, but just like I said, I had this gut feeling like I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think it was a good idea. And you know, and it, but but to his oh. credit, you know, it was a very very competitive fight. It wasn't like completely landslide mm-hmm. one direction or the other. Um, steep, it did. I poke. Um, cormier uh unintentionally and it really fucked up his cornea um dana white uh you know post-fight dana white said uh he wasn't so sure dc he wasn't that confident dc was really gonna hang it up like something about you know dc's a competitor i just don't and this could be just dana white hyping it up i don't fucking know um the competitor in him in him wasn't gonna allow him to just walk away with that l or two L's to Stipe. Um, But then um, I think the next morning or the day after, DC, you know, made his social media rounds and made a post something about, you know, the last thing he said on that whole thing was, uh, it's been a fun ride. So I, I really do think DC is going to hang it up. Uh, however, <laughs> another interesting... Um, I guess a result of I don't know if it's a result of DC hanging it up or the way A won. Then John Jones like the fucking I I don't know. I don't know if it was timed. I I feel like he was in some ways I don't know. Maybe he was trying to steal some of the shine? I don't know. So 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 John Jones decides to announce that he's vacated the light heavyweight championship and he's going to be fighting heavyweight. Um it doesn't sound like uh, he's gonna get an immediate heavyweight title matchup. It sounds like it sounds like the UFC and Danaway are really leaning towards Nganu's steep eight two, which would be a good fight, because I don't think Nganu showed his best showing the first one, but we'll see. Who knows? Might get, you know, get in trouble this time. Um, but yeah, John Jones is gonna start packing on weight and fighting heavyweight. Uh, <laughs> the uh, light heavyweight contendership. Or I guess the, the the vacated title will be Dominic Reyes against Jan Blachowicz. Jan's been looking really good lately. Dominic Reyes, I think I'm pretty sure a lot of people think he beat John Jones anyway. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have a new light heavyweight champion, and uh, Skinny Bone Jones is gonna be fighting heavyweight. I don't care much for the guy. Um, what do you think? What do you think about that move to go into heavyweight? Uh, wise wise choice. Not wise choice? Well, I mean, wise choice in terms of what? You think he's going to be able to compete with the top of the heap at heavyweight? As there's no way John Justin will be fighting at heavyweight just to be a gatekeeper. He's going to want a championship belt.
1: So, so there's, there's a couple of things with that. I mean, we'll be able to compete, sure. Heavyweights are pretty bad. Like I don't know how to put it. Like In terms of the skill set and athletic ability, Compared to the rest of the UFC, there's this huge, huge drop-off when you get to heavyweight. And then, historically, there's also been a pretty big drop-off at light heavyweight. And it's not until middleweight, it it starts to actually get closer to the rest of it and... But that's why, I mean, the re- and if and just just to, to put it into context, it, the lighter weight classes have always been better because if you're actually a good athlete and you're big enough to be a light heavyweight or a heavyweight, you would just go make millions and millions of dollars in another sport and not have to risk um, n- near the level of brain damage or just abuse to your body. So it's like there just haven't been, you know, premier... Uh, athletes in those weight classes and usually it's so it's usually either someone who has a really good skill set or and is a subpar athlete or somebody who is coming to mixed martial arts way later and like maybe was a good athlete but this is their their sort of second chance at pro sports or they've just you know they only started wrestling uh when they were they were 25 stuff like that so that, that, that just doesn't happen quite like that in, in other divisions. And heavyweight, heavyweight is, <laughs> there's this huge drop-off. And um, in, in terms of talent and fighting ability, I mean, light heavyweight's the best it's ever been, largely because you have a lot of guys who are middleweights who are like, huh, why am I just killing myself to cut down? Like, I'm just going to go fight at light heavyweight. And uh, so will jo- will John Jones be able to compete at heavyweight? I'm like, sure. Like, he was... The reigning champion at light heavyweight, so he'll
2: he'll be fine at heavyweight. Do you think? Because I I I I want to say worried is not the right word for this, right? I'm not worried for John Jones. Uh huh. But the guy is is gonna the guy's got a very uh, thin frame. He's long, but I I I just don't like mm-hmm. like a guy like Alistair Overeem, um like like these big big beefy dudes. Um, uh huh. I don't know. I think they they can put some hurt on John Jones, which I would love to see. I would love to see someone just fucking beat that ass.
1: That'd be fun. <laughs> um, so for for comparison, um, I mean he doesn't have exactly the same skill set, but John Jones will have to function kind of like a guy like uh, Verdum Verdoom or Cain Velasquez did. He doesn't have knockout power. Um, he still he still has a reach advantage on literally every heavyweight. Uh, including Francis Nagano, which is crazy. And and even when Stefan Struve was a heavyweight, John Jones would have had a reach advantage on him. So he can... He, he, John Jones is going to be able to fight the same game that he's been fighting uh, at light heavyweight. You know, volume striking, you know, kind of pushing a pace, wearing guys down. And I think it's just going to be a lot easier in some respects at heavyweight because... Uh, <laughs> the, the the athletically those guys just cannot keep up with the pace and they're just with the with a couple exceptions, they're just glacially slow compared to a guy like Let's, Dominic Ray. Uh, okay,
2: so 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 we, we I so I already said, you know, the heavyweight the neck it sounds like the next is gonna be Stepe and Gano two, which means Jones has whatever, three months, six months to camp and then uh or three months to camp or whatever, put on the weight. Hopefully he's already been doing some of that. I, I think that's premeditated. I'm pretty sure John Jones. It wasn't like, oh, guess what? Now I want to fight heavyweight. I'm pretty sure he's he's been thinking about it for a while. Who will be? Who do you think will be a good matchup potentially for Jones? Knowing 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 that Jones is going to want the next vacant title shot, like after Nganu Stipe 2? So it's got to be someone that, like like top. Let's say top five where he can fight and then say, okay, make a claim to it's going to have to be somebody dangerous.
1: Sure. Um, so there's the question of who, who I'd like to see him fight and who, who he should actually fight. Like if I was his manager slash matchmaker, well, give me them both or whatever, if you got it, I, I would like to see him fight Curtis blades. Okay. Uh, largely cause like that would be a great fight for for blades in terms of um notoriety and everything i mean i think blades uh is going to be able to handle the the grappling a little bit, a bit better i mean honestly it's that's the other part is like i don't know how john jones um ability to grapple is really gonna play into this because that's that's the one place where i could really see him doing worse i i don't i don't know what what his his body is like what kind of you know um physical damage he's done, but if, if you've noticed, like, he, John Jones hasn't shot for a, a single or double leg takedown since, like, I don't know, 2013. Um, usually when he gets takedowns, it's more like upper body throws, stuff like that, and he, he really, in his last, you know, five, six fights, I can't even remember him really trying to take it to the ground. Um, so, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's just going to be purely a striker at heavyweight, but... I I would like to I'd like to that fight for Blades cuz I think Blades would crack him and could definitely um you know dictate where where the fight was going to go a little bit more if if you're trying to book that fight and make John a contender um I mean you probably you probably just book him against uh Derek Lewis or Oh, oh! You know who'd be perfect, uh, Volkov. Let's let's see you book him against. Uh,
2: I think, yeah. I, I th-
1: if, if if you want if you want to propel John into a uh, into a, like a light heavyweight title shot, like give him give people know Volkov's name. That's a pretty safe fight. Volkov's not really a contender, but he's still. I think he's ranked eight right now. Um, because. Cause here's the thing, it's like it's like you put him against Blades because Blades has already lost to Ganu three, what three times now or twice? I think twice. Um, twice. So you don't really have to worry about killing off a contender. Uh, like Derek Lewis, obviously has the name recognition, but like that fight would just be so freaking weird and awkward. I don't. I don't think you make that. Um, you could put a put him against Overeem. But I think, like like Overeem does at least have the potential of, uh, of of catching John. And it's like if you're actually trying, if you're the UFC and you're trying to matchmake him into a big fight for the heavyweight championship, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd necessarily put him against Reem.
2: Yeah, I, I I like the idea of, of Blades. That makes that makes sense. But I really want to see him go in there with someone like a Punisher, like someone's gonna fucking knock him. I really, I really would like to see him against Francis, to be honest. Or Overeem, you know, someone that does have, or even, well, I was about to say Yarzino, Rosenstrike, because he's got KO power, but Rosenstrike to me doesn't have gas. I think with a fight with Jones, Jones will game plan well enough to like stay away from the power punches and just kind of pick him apart, or try to pick him apart. Well,
1: he. he 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 doesn't have gas, and he's also. I was going to say he's extremely easy to take down. I mean, I, I was, and then let me amend that. His his takedown defense, relative to, to the other heavyweights, is not great. Right. Um, I think I think right now, if, if <laughs> you or I were just in a pure wrestling match with uh, Roshan Strike, I think we, we would probably both struggle a little uh, bit. Yeah, I know um, I would. I know I, I, I would do it right, right at this, this point. I haven't grappled in like three years, um, and I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not I'm not, I'm not getting a 250 pound heavyweight off the ground right now, um, but I, that's that's the thing. The reason why I like Volkov is because I actually think I think that's a fight where um, you could see John at heavyweight. I just don't see Volkov really knocking him out or or winning that fight. But it would, it would probably be a pretty competitive kickbox uh, kickboxing yeah. match. So like I think it'd be an interesting fight, but also not one. That Jones would lose, but but if he looked good, then uh, you know then then you could you could throw him right into a title shot. Like you could make that argument.
2: Yeah, it's gonna have to be one of those names that we mentioned for sure. I'm just looking at the rankings. Uh, Blades is ranked two behind Anganu. ngannou has got the title matchup. DC's retired. Rosenstreich just just uh, won against JDS and a nice you know, nice win for him. Mm-hmm. Derek Lewis. Over aim yeah, and I think with with Strike, it's like you almost
1: want to s- save him as as a contender, though, because um, it's it's funny, and Ganu is really is really the one who who sort of jams things up a lot because Blades has never fought Steeping, nor is is Strike, but and Ganu's fucked both of them up,
2: yeah, yeah, I, whatever happens, I hope. I hope Johnny Boy gets the taste of his uh, his uh, shit talking medicine. The the, the the long and short, though, okay. Wow, we went on a,
1: a whole tangent about this. I, I the, the short the short version of, of when you you asked, is it a good idea um, to go up to heavyweight? I'm like, sure, because heavyweight's easier, but people think it's harder and. If he does well at heavyweight, it's going to improve his quote unquote legacy. He's going to, you know, maybe he could become the, the, the double champ, you know, whatever. And people think he's the all time goat because of that. Whereas Dominic Reyes is a harder fight for John Jones oh, than yeah. literally anyone at a heavyweight.
2: Dominic Reyes mentioned, he mentioned in some Instagram or something post, he's, he's, he said that the reason John Jones is leaving light heavyweight is because he made him leave, because he feels like he. He he put the oh, and, and Tiago they both fucked yeah. him up yeah they give him they 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 give him some pretty pretty good damage. It's only going to get worse the heavyweight, I think. In certain cases, all
1: all the heavyweight... here's the difference. Reyes is is actually an NFL caliber athlete. Like he he is. I mean, he didn't. He went to a smaller Division one school. He played um, safety. He's got sort of like a. Yeah, he's 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 legitimately fast, explosive, quick. Like he would, he had the 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 um, just purely the combine numbers to be an NFL athlete, and it didn't happen. I mean, it's it's hard to get in the NFL, but everybody with probably even including Ngannou is just is so slow compared to a guy like that. Um, and that's I mean, and Reyes, Reyes is by far the best athlete that. Uh, just in terms of speed and explosiveness that, that Jones ever had yeah. to deal with, and he did not look good in that fight yeah. at all. So it's like, fuck it. Like these guys are fast, and they're gonna. And, and you know, um, Tiago's not quite as fast, but he's he's definitely again more explosive than most of the guys John, John Jones has fought. And uh, they've just both Tiago both and um and Reyes just kicked the shit out of John Jones' yeah. legs.
2: He's got those little chick, chicken chicken drumsticks. Wiry little legs
1: yeah but and, and it's like you don't see too much of that at heavyweight there's not there's <laughs> not as many of the crazy leg kicks going on it's like yeah he's like go up there deal with some big slow slow guys and and um, and, and you know and he, this this is an example from from uh, j- just my my personal like when I when I wrestled my senior year in high school um I I'd just kind of gotten burned out on wrestling I'd had, I'd had a really bad weight cut. Uh, where I was cutting down to uh, 145 for the whole season. You know, I, I weighed, I think probably 160, 165, fully hydrated and, and with like a meal in my belly. And so I was, I, and I just, it was a terrible idea, but I, that's what I thought my, my coaches wanted me to do. So The by the time I got to, to senior year of high school, I was sort of like, I like wrestling. I just can't put as much into it. Fuck it. I'm a wrestle heavyweight. Oh, shit. Um so I wrestled. So I only. I actually had to drink water to make the the, the heavyweight minimum mm-hmm. because at that at that point it went um, 189 heavyweight. There wasn't now uh, in Pennsylvania. There's there's 189 215 mm-hmm. heavyweight, and um again, this is wrestling. This doesn't isn't quite the same, but like the actual heavyweights, the guys who are like you know. 250 260 they were easy for me to deal with really um yeah because they were and this is why because they were so they were big but i was strong enough to kind of balance that equation a little bit and they were so fucking slow and they all all of them only knew like four moves Mm. so it's like i'm like i'm faster than you i'm i'm a better wrestler than you and I'm strong enough where you can't just overwhelm me with size and strength like and like I I mean all all those matches I won it was the guys that were like 220 that I really struggled with because uh. some, some of them in Pennsylvania they were yeah was I I was still quicker than them but like it wasn't this just dramatic speed difference and they were more athletic and they could move and like they were a little bit better wrestlers and it was just a very very hard um equation so it was like that's like i get it like i if wrestling wise like a big slow guy who who's just not as skilled much much easier to deal with than someone who's got 20 pounds on you but is much closer to uh, on a parity and skill and athletic uh, athletic ability yeah no if that
2: makes, makes sense. sense it makes sense to me just like you 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 mentioned like in the ufc the the best athletes are the lighter weight classes and the heavier you go the, the progression of the weight you get a little less you can you can get away with being a specialist and not necessarily being a, a very skilled all rounded mixed martial artist
1: well and that's that's why once you get to 155 all of a sudden it's just absolutely stacked because yeah it, th- those guys are probably walking around at like 170 180 and that's that's not really. You're not going to play pro basketball. You're not. You're not really big enough for, um, most positions. You know, outside of the the skill positions at the NFL, um, you're probably you're probably not big enough for those. Like, there's there there's just way fewer pro sports options. Now you're looking at stuff like tennis and <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and and things like that. But like once once you get to to 185, I mean, those guys are. Um, you know, two hundred and ten pounds. Like they're big guys, and there are definitely other sports they could go into. So you just don't see as many premier athletes.
2: We jumped from the uh, main event of the last fight to John Jones and athletes in general. Oh, and that's
1: just just to put it. And I know this is what I always remind people of. The, the The reason that John Jones is in mixed martial arts is because he he he's the runt in his family, and by far and away. The worst athlete in right. his family, and he could not go into football like, like his, his brothers. Two brothers. So he did, yeah. So he did wrestling, I and mean, both of his brothers are in the NFL, yeah. uh, and he's the, the little slow, uh, like slow, unathletic on one. So he, he went and did MMA, um, and it's it's funny because both of his, you know, like Chandler Jones is, is a freaking pro bowler, and I've heard him say he's like, oh, I could whip John's ass right now, <laughs> like, and and
2: honestly, I don't yeah. doubt that. That's the thing. I bet he could. What about the uh, the co-main co event? I said he went like a Russian. He went, co-main event. My boy Marlon Chito Vera takes down Sugar Sean O'Malley. I watched that fight obviously live, and then I rewatched it with my dad like two or three times um, the other day. And for sure, it appears that either Sean O'Malley had a an injury going into the fight. And or during checking a kick of Marlon Veras, he re-injured something. And very, very early on, like maybe a minute into the round, you can tell he was already struggling to put weight on his foot, on his right foot. And um, Rogan Mm -hmm. and the other uh, broadcasting team didn't really catch it until just about right before the flurry, the TKO flurry. But uh but it actually happened a lot earlier than than when those that broadcasting team caught it again I, I watched it two or three times and he just he just couldn't put any weight on it and when he he did try to pivot off of it it, it was kind of folding awkwardly um but yeah welcome to the Cheeto show I'm so happy for him I'm so happy for uh for uh for that camp um I think he's a good fighter. I don't. I don't think he was able to show everything against uh, Sean O'Malley. In fact, during that flurry, Chito Vera did. I. I know Chito Vera noticed that O'Malley had that injury, and pretty much just kind of took the gas pedal off, and let him kind of recover. If you watched that fight, he kind of walked away from him, knowing, oh, this guy's hurt. I got you, motherfucker. He must have thought, like, I got you. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish you. Um, but gave him kind of a little bit of a break to kind of there was a moment he stepped away from him so props to cheeto he could have really he could have really really hurt him more if he wanted to i think that whole thing um cheeto vera was trying to like cheeto vera's got a beef with with o'Malley's head trainer coach i forget the guy's name redhead guy but it's not so much like he had some kind of thing against o'Malley he had no it didn't seem like he had any real Will towards them, it was more like, I want to make your boy pay, you fucking cocksucker, and um, and he did. Um, O'Malley had to be taken down the stretcher. There goes that hype train. Um, I mean, sort of that, like, most of <laughs> this, this uh,
1: card was just sort of like it left just left an unsatisfying feeling afterwards. I'm like, ah, I don't really know what happened, you know, it was a pretty competitive fight. He hurt his leg. didn't Didn't really react great to that, and then then it was over. I'm like you know, he's not undefeated anymore. Yeah. Um, but it didn't. I don't really feel like that told us a, a, a ton. Um, you know, one, one, one way or the other, uh, it, was, it was nice to definitely for Cheeto Vera to get the win after most most people felt like he was robbed in yeah. the last fight. But I don't. I don't feel to me. I wasn't like, oh, look at that. Sean O'Malley hurt his leg. He's absolute garbage. Like. That that was just all hype. I'm like, well, we just really don't know.
2: I think you, I mean, it, but, it, but it does pose a question. Is O'Malley a little too frail for the elites? Um, remember, we talked about how O'Malley's previous fight win. Um, like this was his first fight um, that he was going to actually be really, really tested to see mm-hmm. where he was in the division. We talked about how is O'Malley a pure hype train, or or is he, uh, um, is is he is his is a hype cre- uh, merited? And I said that no, it was merited because he was taking his time moving up the rankings. Um, mm-hmm. how I liked he was he was you know not rushing into hey I want a title shot tomorrow kind of you know shit talking, and and then and, and it proved to him that hey you 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 maybe have to I don't know do something to. He's he's always worn those like ankle bracelet things. Those ankle, what do you call those things? The, the, <laughs> did you call them ankle I, I bracelets? <laughs> I wasn't thinking. He, he 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 just got his his ankles taped. It doesn't look like they're taped. It looks like he's wearing like those um those wraps. If they're, if it's
1: not taped, then then they're sleeves. But it, no, I think they're okay, just taped.
2: Well, their sleeves are taped, whatever. But he, I think, I think he's. Um. Yeah, I think he's gonna be a little bit of a Bambi, you know, like frail, frail along the, the 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 weaker joints, and and anybody, um, anybody in that weight class paying attention will 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 probably use that to their advantage. Um, I know other guys in that weight class talk shit, you know, after that. Garbrant and I forget uh, who else. Really,
1: again though, like who who knows? Like, yeah,
2: he he's had a couple injuries,
1: um, but injuries happen all the time in the MMA uh, it, like sometimes you're just unlucky I mean Anderson Silva had one of the most gruesome you know injuries ever and it's not like oh God Anderson Silva is just too frail and he couldn't really uh, compete at the elite level in MMA because he, he's too injury prone but it's like wow he just he had one kick at just the wrong an- angle and his freaking shin snapped like a a, a chopstick over your knee, like some. Sometimes you just get unlucky. The, the guys where I, where where I actually think it's more of an issue are the ones who are getting injuries constantly outside of mm-hmm. competition. Like, sure, it, it, if if that happens over and over again in competition, that's a problem. But it's more guys like Dominic Cruz where, if you look at all of his injuries, none of them were were actually during fights. Yeah. He was getting hurt during training. Right. And uh, one of the things I always remember I th- that I thought was funny was like, uh, like Uriah Faber uh, of Team Alpha Male famously had had a feud with, with Dominic Cruz and his, his go-to phrase when he was talking about Cruz is he's like, bro, you know, for you guys don't know, uh, Uriah Faber is was, was the quote-unquote California kid and he has like, you know, surfer mm-hmm. hair. Um, and he's like, bro, like, domino Cruz just he's just not built for battle, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he's just not built for battle. And I'm like, what the fuck are you do-? like no, no human being is built for f- what you're doing. Like we're not meant to slam our limbs into other other hard objects and like um get our heads battered in by fists and knees and all this shit over and over again. And it's like it's like no, like Cruz just works too hard for his own good. Like he he Part of the reason he beats you every time is because he works a lot harder than you, and he trains a lot harder than you, and that's also why he's getting hurt. Because he, he, I mean, that guy, that guy's strength and conditioning, cardio, was insane, and he would regularly push his body past what he could handle, and then he would get hurt. So it's sort of like a double-edged sword. So I, with O'Malley, that's not the case. He, I, I, as far as I know, he hasn't been getting repetitive outside the cage issues and it's like, yeah, maybe he is too frail or maybe he just got luck- unlucky, like I who knows. I could
2: be wrong here, but I seem, to re- I seem to recall another fighter saying, it may have been Garbrandt, something to the effect of, um, and this was before this fight, that he had been, that, that O'Malley had been carried out in a stretcher and, during a previous fight as well, maybe in his amateur yeah. career, I don't know, or training or something, so...
1: No, that that was a UFC fight. It was and it was against. Uh, I
2: could I could look it up, but it was the same thing. It was it was like a foot injury. Yeah. So if it is a foot injury and right now it's you know his ankles or whatever, it seems to be, and that he
1: yeah that that was that was against Andre Sukumtot, and um, there's a lot a lot made of that fight because O'Malley had been winning, um, you hurt his foot and then Sukumtat probably would have won if he just kept the fight standing and he took O'Malley down and O'Malley was sort of able to to make it out of that fight um again mean, inju- injuries are funny like you,
2: it's just it's just sort of too early to tell at this yeah. point I think well, we'll see hopefully you know no one no one I'm, I'm not I'm certainly not wishing ill will or ill health towards O'Malley I just think um it's something for the rest of that division to look at and maybe potentially see that as a weakness if it is if it is in true it, it, indeed a weakness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. Any other fights in that card that kind of piqued your interest? So i had I had bet I had bet heavy on Chito Vera. I bet like ten bucks to win like twenty five, mm-hmm. and then I did a a five dollar bet with a, a Chito Vera parlay with DC. So I lost that one. And then I did a 4 or 5 fight $1 parlay bet that would have won me like 15 20 bucks. But again, DC DC's lost hurt my other my other two bets, but but what I won in the Chito Vera fight more than made up for what I lost, so I was I was happy. I was really happy. I liked the card. It was a good card. I think. Uh I mean the other the other
1: two fights that I, I was paying attention to anyway were Yoder. um Mirab M- M- De- Devalish Philly versus John Dotson. I mean I thought I thought Marab just fought like a really a really great fight. A very smart fight. I mean he pressed but he was he was not reckless about it. Like that was one of his better performances and he just didn't let John Dotson have a, a John Dotson yeah. fight. And I don't know, man, I wonder what Dotson's gonna do. Um you know, he might, he might he might be at the point where like I don't think he's in danger of being cut or anything like that. He might just sort of ride it out and keep doing what he's doing. Um, but uh, that that regardless, that was a, a thought. It was a good performance by Mirab, and he he definitely looks like a contender. Yeah. Um, I mean ban- Bantamweight is just stacked. It's it's the best division. What's now.
2: crazy is to see what's gonna happen because look, Aljo's gonna probably get the next title shot at some point. Fucking who knows, man. And and Marab and Aljo are training partners, and Marab is good enough to, you know, another two fights maybe. Are is would he be willing to fight his teammate? I don't think so because they come from that Sarah Longo camp. And they're they're really family oriented. I don't think Marab would want to do that to Aljo, like fight his training partner. It's crazy, crazy. One thirty-five is nuts. I don't know. I mean, but like, but again, with
1: with the way title shots have been going at bantamweight, like who, who fucking knows what they're gonna do? Maybe Uriah Faber comes out of retirement again, and they yeah, give it to him. I, like,
2: I wouldn't wouldn't be shocked. I don't, I don't, I don't think that would happen. Like, I just can't see that happening. There's enough. There's enough. Create. There's enough. Like you said, thirty-five is stacked. There's enough interesting matchups. Or Faber coming out of retirement its not going <laughs> to... I don't think that's going to...
1: Yeah, I was just speaking to how ridiculous it's been thus far. Yeah, well, you're right. They they did Peter Jan and Al, Aldo, who was 0 one in the division and like 1-3 in his last four fights, and they gave Aldo the, the title shot. So, at, you know, at, at a weight class, he didn't have a single win in ever. So I'm like, you know what?
2: <laughs> um, it's Aljo's time. It's Aljo's time. Like, he's got Jan in front of him. And uh, I th- yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure he can pull it off. He just has to be able to um, be ready, be prepared. It's a title shot, five rounds, you know. Uh, this this is all true. Um,
1: and then and yeah, the, and then the other fight w- was uh, Yoder and what's her name Souza. I mean, pr- probably no real title implications or, or um, any, anything down down the line for that. Yeah. It, I thought that was a nice step for for Yoder because she was a little bit uneven in the first two rounds and then it seemed like for I don't know if it was something her coach said to her in the corner or she just realized she she was probably down, but she just like went into fuck it mode like she got way more aggressive. she was really finding her range on, on in her striking. Um, and the, the two the two things I was thinking about that from that fight were were one. I just I I hate the 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 show win uh, dynamic when it comes to paying fighters. Yeah, like it just, it just fucking pisses me off cause, because I think especially for a contender like you should be able to go out and have a great fight and compete really well and and you know take a step forward and have that be a positive where you're not looking at like oh crap I only got half my paycheck. Yeah, and then. The the second thing this comes up every so often, where like two of the places she really fucked up, where she she was able to get behind S- Souza and got really excited because she wanted to initiate grappling and take her back, and she just she just was a little bit reckless trying to get hooks in and fell off the top and like. That's just a position I know so well, and I'm like, I'm not gonna like send her an instructional video. Like, yeah. Hey, hey, Ashley Yoder, like UFC fighter, like this is what you should do. But at the same same token, I sometimes I, I have trouble talking about this with, with you know when I'm when I'm interacting with fighters because I'm like, yeah, like I, your your skills your knowledge and uh, skill set in MMA is way way bigger than mine. But I'm pretty sure I know that one position better than you do because of what you, you kept doing like how do, how do you broach that like how would you yeah. i mean i i just don't <laughs> that's that's my answer i'm like ah, i don't really see any good that's going to come of this i mean ho- hopefully her, her coaches can can figure out what to to do about that but like what i mean what, what would you do like when, when there's a fighter you like and you're like oh i i have knowledge that would help them i don't really know what to tell them. you though. you
2: do what uh bjj scout does and you do a breakdown not using your voice like you use like a pre-programmed whatever automated voice saying this is what Ashley Yoder should have done and you break it down using I don't know something along those lines so you don't give yourself credit and you don't sound like a complete uh, know-it-all like couch coach I hate doing that too because you know having watched in the fights there is a little bit of couch coach in us all mm-hmm. and there are times where like I feel like I could even say you should have done this, you should have done that. But I also feel like I shouldn't be the one saying it because I've never been the one to have practiced or implemented those. I just I know off of, um, using my brains. I guess watching enough fights, and knowing knowing what positions to be in, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean that that's one where I do have a lot
1: of practical experience yeah. with, uh, and I both really. Enjoyed baiting uh, BJJ uh, players into getting getting reversed because I'm like, oh, I know they want to get those hooks in so bad, and and I have I have like a a, actually you know what I was gonna say I have a technique that I've never seen anybody do which but that's not true the 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 one time and it wasn't from the same position but when. Gilbert Burns fought Damien Maya. He actually used it to escape when Maia got his hook hook in. I'm like, fuck! That's the first time I've ever seen anyone do it. But that just gives that just gives you um, a little bit of insight into what I'm talking about. I'm like, wow! The only time I've ever seen some of the techniques that I know is when you have you know Gilbert Burns versus a Damien Maya, and the, the grappling was at that level. Not again. Not to say I'm I'm not even close to the level of either of them as a uh, particularly as, as a Uh, Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, but that one specific position I know really well.
2: Speaking of Burns, uh, he's the other Burns, the younger Burns, I forget his his name, um, he fought last week and he lost. And going into that card, I was like, yeah, I think he's going to lose. I had that that feeling he was, I wouldn't say hyped is the right term um, because he has knocked dudes out. But I just didn't think he was going to win that matchup. I didn't bet. I should have bet. Because the odds would have paid quite nicely because he was going in as a favorite, but didn't happen. Oh well, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, are you yeah UFC Fight Night this weekend? Pedro Munoz against Frankie the Edg- answer Edgar. Are you excited about that? No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say there's only a couple fights on there worth mentioning at least from what where I'm standing at uh, my standpoint. Um, maybe the main event Edgar against Munoz. And the only one I have any kind of interest in is uh, Maria Agapova against Shayna Dobson, but that is gonna be that's gonna be a one-sided fight, I think. Um, Frankie Edgar, well, let's go with that for that girl fight first, if you don't mind. Sure, Maria Agapova just recently um, uh, won in a nice, dominant striking battle. Um, She's nine and one with her only loss being to Tracy Cortez. Beautiful, beautiful Tracy Cortez. I love you. On uh Dancing Dana White contender series. Um I was gonna say dancing with <laughs> the Well, that would have been a, a much more ex- yeah, it would have <laughs> been a
1: lot more exciting
2: fight if it was dancing with the stars. But uh so I started following I started following Agapova after after that fight, after her most recent fight. Um and uh she <laughs> poor girl is trying really hard to uh she's from kazakhstan <laughs> she's so she's got a pretty crazy accent she's trying really hard to be sexy sexy girls like sexy instagram model like thirst trap like showing a little boob whatever little boob she has she just dyed her hair like kind of like a blonde um okay agapova is at nine and one like i said um Four of her wins were via submissions and three via TKOs or KOs. Um, so she is she is well rounded and she is a finisher. Going against Shayna Dobson, who's three and four, is her MMA career. And she's got a three fight losing skid. So so the odds make her, you know, heavy, heavy, heavy in Agapova's favor. She's minus twelve hundred to Shayna Dobson's plus seven hundred. Um that's a gimme fight. That's a gimme. That's that's a fight like in the way I look at it. That's Dana, that's Shayna Dobson's last fight in the UFC, and that's also going to be a fight to continue to build the Agapova hype train, or at least just to begin the Agapova hype train. Cause yeah, I don't I don't think there is an Agapova not, hype train yeah, quite no, yet. not not quite yet. But watch, watch, another another good showing, because she just fought like a month or two ago. Um, mm. another good showing against a. You know, a, a Dobson. Dobson that's got her back against, you know, the wall here. Um, if she can finish her, whether it's a, a, a stunning knockout or a good submission, um, Agapova's got, got a bright future, I think. Um, anything you want to say about that fight at all? Do you know anything about either one, Dobson or nah, Agapova? I mean, Dobson's like...
1: You remember Mike Tyson's punch-out? <laughs> she... She she's kind of like the first the first level guy yeah. that you fight like Glass Joe. It's like yeah, he's in there, he's scrapping and you know, but not really that much of a threat. I mean, she <laughs> she's sort of just been around to uh to build people. I mean, I'm trying to look. She had she had one win in the UFC and they kind of just feed her to to people that they're trying to build up. I mean, um like it's funny. I don't I don't know. I don't, yeah, no. I guess they all are. I mean, we've talked about the cutie weight division before. We have it. So not on the podcast. We uh, we haven't gone into. The, so we well, we we can get into more depth than that in another one. Sure. The cutie weight division is the 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 secret women's division in the UFC, and it's it's the fighters that the the UFC thinks they can better promote uh, as as sex objects than like combat fighters that's basically and and it's interesting because queen uh page van zant had been the the queen and, and reigning champion of that division now that she's gone i guess the, the the title is up for grabs um but looking at it i'm like okay so they had dobson fight lorne lorne muller to get Lauren Mueller a win and then they had her fight sabina mazo uh
2: and then is priscilla cash a cutie white fighter i don't think so no no and neither is Rox, they- neither is Roxanne Modafferi, who Dobson has a TKO lost to. <laughs> Roxanne Modafferi is like a, primarily a ground girl, you know, grappling, jujitsu, and for her to TKO Shayna Dobson, um,
1: yeah, does she? It's interesting. That's not coming up on her record. It's not.
2: I think I had it up on something. I don't know where. Right?
1: I'm. I'm looking at Wikipedia. They just might not have it. The fight listed. But anyhow, um, wait. Well, hold on. What are you trying to? You're trying to say Roxanne Modaffari is not a cutie weight fighter? How dare you? I didn't say that. How no, 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 no. What? Dare I you didn't. on behalf of <laughs> Roxanne Nation? No, no, no. I say no, fuck no. you, Armando. I Did not
2: say that. What I said was Shannon Dobson has a TKO loss to Mataferi, and Mataferi is primarily a grappler and or jujitsu. That had nothing to do with cutie weight. You threw that in there. <laughs>
1: No, you're talking shit uh, on Roxanne. No, I like Roxanne. The Roxy. love of my life. I like Roxy, And I will not stand for it. Damn you. I like Ro- Roxy. Roxanne goes hard cosplaying for Wayans, too. Oh, for she sure. Really, I mean, and and I just don't think that you're giving her the respect that she deserves.
2: Okay, here's a question for you. Who cosplays better? Um, Angie Hill Gin- or Montefiore? Gin- you Fry. Jinyu Fry does. She, oh yeah, she does. <laughs> She's sexy. <laughs> That one like locked and loaded. I don't. uh, Yeah, did you get to finish the the question? No, but the the options I gave you were Angela Hill, Jin Yu-fry just lost. Jin Yu-fry just lost.
1: Yeah, I I know. And most people Uh, don't
2: know her unless they've watched Invicta. Jin Yu-fry is Chen Li. She wins. That's it. (laughs) She she pretty much is. Um, she's buff but attractive, and yeah. But no, if your options are Mataferry and Angie Hill, who cosplays better?
1: I'm trying to think. what what are what are the best? So there's been a lot of Street Fighter. I remember Angela Hill uh, did a a doll scene from Street Fighter, which was pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what were her best ones? I think I the doll doll scene was probably a, the best one. I know she did like a, a uh, one of the, one of the characters from like a, a Bruce Lee movie. Who I can't remember who it was though. I mean, yeah. And what and what and then she did Black Panther once. I, I think I think you have to give it to to Roxanne just, just based on variety and effort.
2: And Roxanne wears like funky uniforms and shit when she's training too. She'll wear like Captain America shit and all kinds of just weird <laughs> Uh Yeah, I mean she she's she's not a, a part time cosplayer. She
1: she's just in it all the
2: way. She's a full time Dragon Ball Z nerd, like hardcore. If I remember that from her um her uh, ultimate fighter days that that sounds
1: right and she i remember she lived in uh japan so so long time i mean she she's been fighting uh, this is weird that somehow this became a, a, a discussion <laughs> of roxy but she's been fighting for every for she's like one of the, like the absolute ogs of women's mixed martial it's arts because you're
2: defending your girlfriend modafari you i know i am you're making her claim
1: for cutie weight <laughs> you, you you were talking bad about her and i had to defend her honor like a chivalrous gentleman oh, god <laughs> um and anyhow Roxy's one of the ogs of of women's mma and like she she is from that that uh time when it was it was largely asia based and she lived over there i mean i wouldn't be surprised if she's like deep in anime culture and all that sort of stuff she is and uh you know, she she's she, she just uh, god, how old is she? she? She okay, she's she's almost our age. She's she's thirty seven. She's a pioneer um, in MMA.
2: Women's MMA. But
1: I I think I think in terms of uh there there are still some things about Roxy that are that are very childlike. Let's just let's just yes. leave it out. Uh-huh. Um she 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 unless unless she is the absolute best actor in probably the entire world. She's still a very innocent person yes. who, uh, who sometimes views the world through through <laughs> a, a much much clearer sort of rose colored glasses. And good for her. And I like
2: that she's got a happy her. What's her uh, MMA name? Happy Warriors or MMA? Happy Warriors. You know, I yeah. like that she's a positive um, energy. Yeah. So I mean,
1: so basically. What we're getting at was, <laughs> she's one of the, the main contenders to take the cutie weight throne from Paige Van Zandt. Okay,
2: <laughs> um, just I don't she doesn't make my list. I got a okay serious question for you. Very
1: how how dare you? You have no taste.
2: Very serious question for you. You're a ruffian. Who, who? Which? Which of these two women? Okay, I well I guess I'm already biased. I already have an opinion. Ronda Rousey or Gina Carano? Go.
1: Gina Carano, why Thank is that a question?
2: You. I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. And I, what sucks is that Ronda Rousey got all the limelight. Um, Gina Carano was the first hottie that was actually mm-hmm. a, a legitimate athlete. I think your dad was like a Dallas Cowboy quarterback or backup or some shit like that.
1: Yeah, she she's a big girl. She might be a little bit too big for you, Mondo. Uh, she for sure. She'd toss you around.
2: No, I know that, but I would I would I would very 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 much enjoy it. I would I would have a smile on my face with her just throwing me around. over. I could. Yes, uh, I bought that movie she was in. I forget what it was called, where she was the the, the action lead. I forget the fucking name of the movie, but she's hot. D- they
1: is is that the one where they dubbed her voice out? I don't
2: remember if they did or didn't. I,
1: I I think so. If if that's her first movie, um, yeah, it was. I don't I don't know why, but they actually they, they uh, it's called uh, ADR. No, I forget no, no. what that stands for. Yeah, no, AD- Yeah, they just AD- ADR all of her lines out. I, I don't- and it was, so so it's somebody else that kind of sounds like her redoing. All of her, her her vocal parts could
2: be. I don't think they did that in the Mandalorian. I think on that one she she had all. Like- N-
1: no, no, it wasn't. No, no, no. So the reason she got the Mandalorian was because Jon Favreau, who who was the sort of creator director of that ser- series, had seen that first movie and really felt like it was fucked up that they had literally c- like cut her voice out of the entire thing, and he wanted to. To like give her give her uh you know another shot at something that would get some notoriety. That was the the story that I heard. Did you
2: ever get around to watching it?
1: The end of it? No. I I I just didn't do Dude, it for me. No,
2: she and she's good in it and and again, hottie. Hottie.
1: Yeah, her 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 acting range is is very minimal, but um it fit, I think it fit that part pretty
2: well. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah. No. See.
1: So, so the, the, here's here's here. There's two two big differences between her and Rousey. Um, the the first part is Gina Carano is extremely shy. Like she did not like doing interviews. She didn't like being in front of cameras. Like I, you know, that's one where I I don't know her her entire backstory. Um, but I I know that she was not comfortable at all promoting herself, promoting fights, any of that. Whereas I don't think Rousey was either, but she she went like full in pro wrestling acting where it became like a hyper intense game for her and she could you know, she was great at selling fights. Um, you know, lover or her, hater, her, and a lot of people hated her. She got people really invested. That was part of it. And then part two was Gina Carano was fighting you know, at the height of Carano's notoriety, she was fighting in strike force, which a lot of MMA fans still don't even know it was a thing. Like all, yeah. And the, the amount of publicity and press compared to from from something like Strikeforce, which is really still kind of a, a more of a regional promotion, versus the UFC right when it was blowing up and getting huge, is not even close. So, a lot of it with, with Rousey was was more about how famous she got, the notoriety, like. You know, you know they they were they did uh, intentionally build a hype train with Rousey actively encouraging that and getting you know uh, sports illustrated swimsuit uh, swimsuit edition shoots and things like that. And yeah, if if Carano had been comfortable promoting herself in the same way and was had that same amount of exposure, yeah, I don't think people would have been talking about it. But that's also one of the reasons why I <laughs> I think Gina Crono would be. Um, cool person, to hang out because she she seems very down to earth and chill.
2: She uh she also fought Chris Cyborg. She got it mm-hmm. was a close fight. She didn't get destroyed. It was a close enough competitive fight. She ended up losing. I don't know if it was a TK, TKO loss or just did I forget? It was. A, she, she just got tired. She couldn't
1: keep that pace. I remember that fight very well because I actually did a breakdown.
2: And Rousey Rousey couldn't or didn't uh didn't uh, take the opportunity to fight cyborg she wouldn't she wouldn't i think she was scared rightfully so
1: that that chrono fight was one of the fights when i point to where i'm like cyborg is not good <laughs> stop <laughs> stop this like she's the greatest ever she was she, cyborg is an excellent athlete and to her credit she really worked and got better as a mixed martial artist but i, st- I still i that Carano fight, this is just that whole sequence vividly of them getting close enough in, in, in a clinch. And I don't, I don't even really understand what Cyborg was trying to do. I think she was trying to do some sort of throw and fucked it up and just pulls Gina Carano on top of her right into full mount.
2: Also, that was back when, uh, when, uh, when uh, Cyborg was juicing, too. That was Juice Uh-huh. Where she had muscle definition more like a dude. Less, less, less ladylike features. Still does. That doesn't go away. Yeah, kind of.
1: No, I mean you still you you still retain some of those benefits even years after. She is a nice but, lady though. Anyhow. She
2: is a very nice lady though. I did I did very very briefly exchange of pleasantries, highs buys, and I talked to her fiance, husband, boyfriend, promoter, manager guy, cyborg. I'm talking about nice lady. She is.
1: That. That that is what I've heard. She she has this whole pink belt fitness thing. that's supposed to be about empowering uh, women. Mm-hmm. That that is all great. I think um, if she had ever really just said, "Wow, well, I'm you know I'm I'm sorry for for what I did or anything like that," I I think that would definitely be a forgive and forget. I mean, I, but this whole this whole thing of like her talking about how she was the greatest ever and she's made her entire career. Of uh, Of fighting women who are just smaller and weaker than her is like you know what cyborg um you, you probably just need to pump the brakes on that and then but but now it's weird i'm I feel like I'm attacking her now i'm about to defend her. I feel like a lot of the things I'm referencing are probably also not even coming from cyborg I think it's whoever runs her social media accounts, and I, I would guess it's, it's it's not actually Chris Cyborg yeah. so anyhow
2: um back to. Uh, back to kind of the direction we were in initially when we veered off into women and shit. Uh, The main event... We, we headed a, a direction? We kind of kind. did. Uh, The main event, Munoz versus Edgar. That's the only real fight that I'm going to watch. Um, Edgar's 22-8-1, durable as fuck, but he's lost three of his last four. Those three losses uh, are a, a Korean zombie TKO, Max Holloway decision, and a Brian Ortega KO. Um, oh,
1: oh right, that's
2: how we got on to because you wonder you
1: started talking about Maria Agapova, Agapova and, and, and Shana Dodson
2: and Mary and, and Kitty Waits yeah. I
1: still don't wait it was so why you never explained why are you interested in that fight because oh, you no, yeah, identified I did. that as I, as one of the two fights yeah. and then you're like, but it doesn't no, matter. I told at you all. I
2: told you why I'm interested. I'm I, she's 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 a bit of a finisher. And I think she's going to be the next rising star at one uh, one twenty five or whatever weight class she fights at 115, 125, I forget. Um, she's going to be. She, she's a flyweight. No, I that doesn't okay. I oh, think maybe. she's the next rising star. She has um, apparently she has trained with JJ. You want to J check? I don't know how okay. that training went. Um, but I, I I uh, I like how she's trying really hard to. To enter the realm of cutie weight contention, like like a lot of her her pictures on Instagram have been very uh like like quote unquote kind of steamy or, or the, nothing in bikinis yet, but you can tell the girls trying. Good for her.
1: <laughs> I mean, I th- I think all of them got. I I feel like there was like a, an internal company memo that went out. It's like, okay. Like you need to <laughs> you need to post x amount of bikini photos per month. Like get on it, because um, it was like even uh, which was like Angela Hill posted something from like a photo shoot. I'm like Angela Hill, why are you yeah. why are you doing photo shoots? Like just just go beat up these girls. Like you don't need yeah, to.
2: But I feel the same. Whatever. I, I feel like again, this is a whole other. I, I feel for sure women that are fighting MMA should like kind of hey let's make fighting a priority and this other shit like a secondary thing, but. They're doing it because they get it's 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 largely watched by guys. MMA is UFC is, and they want to get attention drawn to them. So I think naturally most I'm not all most women, like attention, and that they that mm-hmm. they're on a platform at, you know in front of the TV in front of the camera, um, especially being MMA fighters they're gonna they're gonna show cleavage here and there sure. you know to get extra. So
1: I, I mean so. I, I guess as long as all this leads to Roxanne Manafari doing a really <laughs> steamy photo shoot, then it's, it's all okay. Oh, Jesus. That, that's really what it comes, comes down to, I think. So, you know what? More, more power to them. I encourage it. Um, Edgar Munoz. You know,
2: Edgar Munoz. Munoz is 18 and four.
1: All, all I'm saying, Angela Hill, give uh, Roxy the, the number for your photographer. He did a good job. Give Roxy? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, whoever whoever did the photo shoot for Angela Hill, it came out really well. So I think I think she needs to give Roxy that that photographer's number.
2: Pedro Munoz is eighteen and four. <laughs> won seven of his last nine fights. Uh, those two losses were uh, to to Aljamain Sterling, your boy, desi- via decision, and also to to John Dodson via decision. Munoz,
1: Aljamain Sterling fucked him yeah. up. That was that was the. I mean. One of the best fights, probably the best Sterling's ever looked. He was just, and it was it was just purely striking too, just clinic, clinic he put on there. Anyhow, Edgar's,
2: Edgar's a plus two hundred five dog. Munoz is minus two sixty five favorite. Um, I think they're looking at a lot of like Munoz's finishes and and the way he, you know, is aggressive. I guess is the right way to put it. Put it. Well, um, oh, and Edgar's on a three fight skid or lost three of four so.
1: There, there's there's a few things. It's it's one. Uh, Frankie Edgar is 38. Uh-huh. You, you usually see at heavyweight where everyone's big and slow and was not a great athlete to begin with. You could get away with that. It is much much harder to get away with that at the lighter weight classes. Second, this is Frankie Edgar's first ever fight um, at, at bantamweight. He's fought at light heavyweight. He's fought at featherweight. He's now going down to probably what is, been, would have been his optimal weight class for, for this whole time at bantamweight down to one thirty five. But it's like, you know, thirty eight the first time cutting down, you know, that far in the UFC like, that doesn't necessarily bode well. And then on top of that, Frankie Edgar moves around a lot, but he has a habit of getting punched, and you know, usually he can absorb it and come back, but. When you are factor into, you know, factor in the extra weight cutting and the fact that he's 38, and the fact that uh Pedro Munoz can can crack just as hard as any of the, the guys at Featherweight, that's that's not a great combo. So I could see him being the underdog,
2: yeah. And uh, it used to be earlier on in, in Frankie Edgar's career, it was um. I guess his durability was one of his bigger, uh, better strengths and then his his ability to take shots, you know, those wars with uh, Gray Maynard. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like his last few fights, you know, it's, it's starting to come into question. Is his chin still there? I think, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> but it, it all started with Brian Ortega uppercutting him, like, six feet into the air. Mm. Like, oh, that was hard to watch. Poor little Frankie. It was... I mean, because Ortega's, like, what, like, five inches taller than Frankie Edgar? Yeah, and he's, yeah. And it, he just, it was like, Ortega, like, crouched down and started that uppercut from, like, four and a half inches below the canvas and just came all the way up and literally lifted Edgar off of his feet. It was like, uh, do you ever see that movie Snatch?
2: Yes, yes, where uh, Brad Pitt Br- gets punched out. Br- yeah.
1: Yes, Brad, Brad Pitt is playing a, a, a pikey, a gypsy, and they're, they're doing... Uh, like bare knuckle fighting, and he's supposed to throw the fight. Do you like dags? You like dags? Do you like dags? That's a good dog.
2: I need a caravan for my. Ma.
1: Yeah, and anyhow, he he's throwing the fight, and then like, and I don't want to ruin the plot, but I mean, it's it's really good visuals of like him being underwater, just getting punched. I mean, you kind of do feel like that when you're head, head is, is swimming a little bit, and then he just de- de- delivers this insane uppercut that knocks the guy off his feet. I'm like, yeah, that was really
2: sensationalized. That was just a movie. Oh, fuck, that just happened to Frankie Edgar. Two two things, uh, two things. Uh, speaking of Ortega, um, I just watched The Tax Collector with Shia LaBeouf is one of the main actors, and Ortega's got an acting role in it, a speaking role, actually. Very minor character, but he's got a couple lines. Um, uh-huh. did a pretty good job. And also we're talking about snatch guy, Richie movie. Have you seen the gentleman? I have not. I, it came off, it came out like a year, a year and a half ago and I put it off on watching it and I watched it maybe about a month ago, two, two, three weeks ago. Very good movie. It's a little more on the comedy yeah. side. Um, actually, you know, like all those guy, Richie movies have a little bit of comedy to them. Comedy element, comic element to it. But uh, it's it's actually a really good movie. I, I I'm surprised that I waited this long to watch it. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah, get get. Yeah. Your- Guy, Guy Ritchie movies typically pretty good. Well, it's uh, I'm not gonna give away too much of the plot, but it includes uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey, marijuana. All right, all right, uh, right all right, all right. Uh, marijuana and Guy Ritchie movie. Um, okay. Very good movie. Watch it. So so.
1: The, there was the the uppercut from hell from Ortega uh just getting tuned up by Max Holloway which i mean you know that look, that that'll happen um Max Holloway is just a, a terrible matchup for for Frankie like he i don't think i just don't think he ever I, I don't think there's any point that Frankie Edgar would have ever beat that Max Holloway and then the the one of the most concerning ones was, was uh that TKO loss to Chan Sung Jung it was fast um you know, it happened in the first round, and, you know, Pedro Munoz hits just as hard and probably harder than than Korean Zombie. Um, I wouldn't say Korean Zombie is like a, a super fast fighter, but I think he, he probably is a little bit uh, quicker than Munoz. I mean, Munoz is relatively slow for that weight class, so uh, it could be interesting, but... I it, it, to me to me this fight again it's just a little bit disappointing i'm like wow like it would have been great to see edgar down at this weight class like five years yeah, ago yeah yeah
2: but i still like edgar i like i like edgar i, I consider myself an old school member of the iron army <laughs> okay you know what that's from i do not it's what he calls his fans you know how uh, the oh. the chemist the, the chemical whatever uh, element chart uh, F, F-E yeah, is frankie Frank edgar yeah, yeah. Uh, I iron it. army iron Kid, yeah that's that's
1: a little bit of a stretch but okay. no
2: that that's part that's what he calls his uh, fans or somebody yeah
1: no I understand that's what he calls it like naming it the iron Ar- army because the periodic table. Uh, representation for iron is fe and his initials are fe like that's what i'm saying like that that is a stretch on frankie edgar's you're, part you're for a sure. hater,
2: dude i think it's a good one i think it's a creative one <laughs>
1: <laughs> T- to be fair it is fucking hard to come up with names huh i mean we 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 spent like a month trying to come up with a name for this podcast and somehow the out of all that the best i mean the best we did was degenerate social club it's hard No, so, not social Club. you know he
2: even got it wrong this time it's degenerates clubhouse bro you keep calling it Degenerate Social Club; it's Degenerate's Clubhouse. Exactly.
1: <laughs> if it was a more memorable, better name, I would have remembered it.
2: We Fun. had we had like th- probably floating between twenty and thirty different ideas. Some were shit, and some were decent. And um,
1: okay, let's be fair; like ninety percent of them were just okay, I know
2: there was a couple other ones that we had thrown around that were decent. One, what was what was the other? It, it, Sp- if we, if, if we limited it to just the names that you and I came up with, then probably only like 60 of them were bad. 60%. <laughs> You're mean. Uh, split Indecision was another one that hung up there for... That was a good one. Yeah, that was another decent one. But anyway, I thought it would have been too hard for certain people to to, to market Split. I don't know. Anyway, it's Degenerate's Clubhouse, not Degenerate's Social Club. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Degenerate's Clubhouse. Um
1: if you know what you know, what the problem is, if it, if it was somehow represented by an element on the periodic table, I could have remembered it like that.
2: But well, you should remember DC, your your favorite uh, second greatest fighter of all time, Daniel Cormier, Degenerates Clubhouse, DC, Dominic Cruz. I know you're a Cruz fan. I am double champ, Degenerates Clubhouse, DC.
1: Yeah, but it's not. It's not on the periodic table. That's the problem. Yeah, that's really. When you're when you're trying to market a name for a group, it it really helps if uh, if it's somehow represented by chemistry.
2: Um,
1: I'm, I'm looking. There's no. There is you ever no. You listen DC. to to
2: I I never have. But do you ever listen to the Fighter and the Kid podcast at all? I've never once listened.
1: Uh, I so so I did. Um, I did quite a bit. Like. The the time when I listened to it, it would have been two thousand fourteen, two thousand thirteen, around then. So that was a period when Shab. I hate Schaub. He can like, suck it. He was, well, calm down. Okay, slow your roll. All right. Um, cause I'm saying like, I mean, I think you you know him through the fighter and the kid. Uh, I'm assuming in his his UFC career. But I, I like I, I mean I I knew him personally. He went to Whittier for a year. We we Shaw went to on the College? same team. You didn't know that? No. Yes, he was on the lacrosse team with me. He was my backup for a year. Brendan Schaub was your backup in lacrosse. Yes, I didn't he, know that. He, how did you not know that? Like it's crazy. So so Brendan Schaub, uh, he came to Whittier as a freshman. He was the tight end, starting tight end for the football team. And he was just waiting to transfer, and he was fucking bored. So he went out for lacrosse. Um, I
2: did not know that.
1: And he was he was he was a backup. That's why that's part of the reason why I laugh when I hear him like he's like I was the hardest working guy ever, blah blah blah. And I'm like I was like uh, I don't know, man. Like he wasn't lazy on the lacrosse team. I mean he he worked as hard as everybody else, I guess. But it wasn't like he was some. Um, you know, he was, he was going, like, crazy hard and had this, like, insane worth ethic or anything like that. Um, I mean, and he wasn't he wasn't a bad lacrosse. He just wasn't that good at lacrosse. He was, like, you know, like an okay athlete. But, yeah, he didn't start mm. or, or ever really play. You know, he, he would get in um, when we were just demolishing other teams.
2: mm did he score? Did he do anything, or what? What position? Did no, he
1: was. So, so I was, I was, I was a defenseman, a defender. So right. He, yeah, I remember that. So, so no, I mean, so yeah, I, I scored sometimes, but that's not usual for um, a, a defenseman lacrosse because we had the long. Because I was actually good, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was, I again, it was just Whittier College, but I was, I was a three time All American, and he didn't get on the field, so there's a little bit of difference in skill set. Gotcha. Would have been four times if it was not for the ACL injury.
2: I um the reason I, I bring that up is well because a couple of things. Um, I know he's into comedy now. He's trying to be a stand-up. I don't think he's funny. I don't anyway. But um, his but his buddy Brian Callen, his co-host Brian Callen, uh, a co- comedian and actor, right? Um, entertainer. Uh under under some trouble recently. What do you know about that?
1: So, uh, okay, so there's there's the wow that was a lot to unpack. You just threw a lot of things out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so first, I I I'm one of the 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 the, the few, the proud, the brave that actually watched Shab's uh, Showtime stand-up special. Uh, that was that was a little bit rough. I the, the, okay, so the the, the funny part to me, was actually, in real time, I was trying to write jokes for his stand-up act. Um, he, it, was, it was an hour long, and I think there were maybe two jokes in the entire thing. Like, actual jokes. I mean, because, you know, in stand-up, there, there is, there's a very sort of set formula where you can do a lot in, in that, and you can branch and you can change, but it's like you, you, you establish a premise you know, this, this sort of idea, then you have a setup, and then you have a, a punchline, which is sort of like the turn of phrase, or, um, you know, that's that's the actual joke. He would have a lot of premises and setups, and then there would never actually be punchlines. And I'm just sitting like, this, this is really, really good for someone who's only been doing stand-up for two years. The problem is, A, apparently he had writers helping him, and B you're doing a showtime special you jackass like you can't like this is the at best that was a a half finished work um and there there was a there was a long section where he was talking about like jacking off hulk Hulk hogan or something like that Uh i i i don't really remember because i tried my best to just block that entire part (laughs) out of my memory Cause it was it was that bad i was like i'm like i don't think i i don't know if i can make it through this um so yeah the problem is Shahab is not that smart he he, he uh cer- certainly has like personality and i thought his his stage presence for someone that knew into stand up was phenomenal i mean you you said you watched uh Kilt- or listened to, rather to you've listened to kill tony i watched it it's a podcast it's 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 a podcast where you can hear a lot of sort of fresh and new comedians trying to do a minute of stand up. And like th- there are people who have been doing comedy four, five, six years who're still so fucking uncomfortable. They get nervous. Like Shab actually is pretty natural on on the stage. Like he had the delivery where he I, I'm like, this this he probably could pull off a a uh, a special if he had material that wasn't terrible, right. That's Shab. Um you were asking about Callen uh Callen's material is also pretty bad. I I, I saw I saw Brian Callen live with uh Ke- Kevin Now in Philadelphia. Okay. Ke- we were I don't remember why we were both in Philadelphia, but we went to the Helium Colony Club and we saw Kevin uh we saw Brian Callen live. And I was I was evaluating it for from a comedy standpoint. I'm like, huh? He also he doesn't seem to have punchlines or and jokes either. Hmm. Like that's sort of, sort of weird. And then Kevin Al was like, I think half of that was made up. And I was like, what? Because he was t- Brian Callum was talking about his dad a lot in the act. And Kevin Kevin Al was like, yeah. I looked up who his dad was. Like that's I think that was all bullshit. Ah. And it Seems like he was just making up random shit, trying to get a laugh, trying to be funny. Um. All that being said. As far as Callen goes, uh, there there are sexual harassment and rape allegations that have been been placed against him. Um, I don't know that that's one where like I don't have any special insight into that. Other than I'm like, yeah, it's not shocking. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it, you know I heard Callan make a dick joke on the fighter and the kid. and I'm like, oh, that guy rapes people for sure. But <laughs> that. W- but it's more, it's, it's like you've you've, if you've listened to the fighter and the kid, you've heard him speak very in very sort of sexually aggressive ways about women. I mean, that's one where it's like ah, that could just be like locker room talk. You know, um, I don't think he ever outright said, oh, I I will grope women when they don't want me them to. I'll grab them by the pussy. I mean, his, his standards <laughs> for locker room talk were. Uh, A lot kinder and gentler than the president of the United States, apparently. Um, But in Callum's case, yeah, apparently he actually did that. And uh, as far as the president of the United States, you know, jury's still out. But, yeah, he probably did that, too. What is
2: it with, because he's not the first comedian to have been uh, charged or accused of uh, sexual misconduct of some way, shape, form. There's Louis C.K., there's uh, Chris D'Elia, there's, um, uh, you mentioned one other one, uh, Amir Yeah. Well. So.
1: Okay. So. So. There's a couple things. Like one. Typically, if you're going to become a comedian, you're a little bit fucked up. Like. To be a comedian, you have to have this sort of screwed up perspective on the world. You're usually very self-deprecating. Like most comedians aren't like nice, happy people that had like perfect family lives growing up, and then they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go up on a stage and." Tell jokes slash embarrass myself for a living. Um, so, if if you have a whole a whole industry of people who are a lot of them are kind of degenerates in one way or the other, and they're a little bit fucked up, that will manifest itself in ways that are often uh, not so great. Some some cases there it's drug use. Um, there's been a lot of amazing comedians who who uh, you know didn't live out their lives because of overdoses and things like that. And, you know, now that, that I think, I think a lot of that stigma has been broken about coming out and naming, you know, you know, people who, who are, um, you know, sexual deviants who, who are, you know, either rapists or are guilty of sexual assault. Like a lot of that shit's coming out. I'm sure that has been going on in the, the comedy world for decades and we're just hearing about it now yeah. because some people feel more comfortable talking about it.
2: I don't know all the ins and outs of the Dalia case, but every but when I heard about Dalia being <laughs> maybe
1: maybe maybe rephrase ins and outs in Dalia's case. Sorry,
2: sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't know all the details <laughs> uh, about Curtis. you don't know you
1: don't know the skinny on the case. Oh
2: God! Um, but yeah, I guess you you were you were saying he he was like sending uh, a racy. Oh
1: he. Oh, that one he definitely did. Yeah, he he was sending like nudes of himself to minors, things like that.
2: When I think of, when I think of that, did you have you ever watched Workaholics? Did you ever watch that show? I, like one episode, so it, it wasn't really there, my thing. There was an episode where Dalia is like uh, a guest in the episode, and his okay. his character in that episode. You have to I have to look it up and figure out what the name of that episode was called. But so he's a, he's a guest in one of his workaholic episodes, and he plays a basically an adult pedo. That's into little boys, oh. but he but like, they, they they do it. His name is Topher. Now I remember. Hi, I'm Topher. <laughs> but it's like, how close to home was that shit? Where you know he's, I, I'm not I'm not saying Dalia in real life is into little boys, but he's into, uh, or you know he's messing with children. Let's put it that way. He's he's with minors. Um, that episode was funny. I don't know if it's not so funny now. <laughs> I'd have to go back and watch it under the with the context of what's actually been going on with him. Um it might not be as funny now, but uh so,
1: so that that's another one that doesn't really surprise me. Like the Del- the is a guy who who definitely grew up with a, a silver spoon in his mouth. Hmm. Um you know, may- maybe a silver su- suppository as well. Ooh. And and uh you know, I because I don't know if you were like his, his dad is a pretty big time producer, um, so it it wasn't it wasn't like Cristalia just showed up bright eyed and bushy tailed in Hollywood and busted his tail until he finally got his big break and then ran with it. It's like, it's like no, like his dad's a, a really well connected producer, and uh, that's probably why he he got set up. And yeah, I mean, you can kind of see the way he he just approaches things. There's, there's does seem to be a little, little sense of entitlement with Dalia, And I, I, that's another one where I'm like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, come out and, and said that. Like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, it's not like I, I would, I would have heard him making, um, I wasn't even dick jokes. It's more like roasting Brian Callen, uh, hilariously roasting Brian Callen. But if you were like, yeah, that guy's like a little sexually deviant. You kind of like look at Crystalia, You're like, yeah, yeah that fits. I can see that. I can see that. It's like if if I wanted to, if I, if I was writing a screenplay and and I was like, yeah, I have this character who has who who has this neuroses where he just flashes people constantly. He's like a like an old school trench coat flasher, and uh, it's it's like, <laughs> like you know maybe like uh, like a minor speaking part. And he just has to be like high energy and seem kind of fucked up and deranged. Who do you want to cast? I'd be like, oh, Crystalia, one hundred percent. That'd be great. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you got to watch that. Uh,
1: Tell me I'm wrong. No, no, no. You're (laughs) absolutely right.
2: uh, Paul Rubens comes to mind when I think of Crystalia. Crystalia would take that role too. (laughs) Crystalia would play Pee Wee Herman in a in a biopic.
1: Biopic? Especially if the one of the the actresses he was flashing was like twenty, but she looked seventeen. Oh, he would be like, yes. Burn. <laughs> the, oh, the the
2: other one that yeah. um, the other well, there's the Louis C.K. thing. There's there's Bill Cosby who was. By all accounts like fucking drugging and raping chicks. And now he's behind bars.
1: No, no, no. Not by all accounts. Like he he's been uh convicted that that you know, we, yes, we have we yeah. have the innocent until proven guilty. He was proven guilty. Yeah. Like he fucking did so it. I said, he was yeah behind,
2: behind bars. Um Yeah, you're probably right. It, you, you gotta be a little bit fucked up to be successful in comedy in in a lot of cases, the majority of the cases. Um And it just probably gives you, I think also just to be in Hollywood, in in, in show business, you you get, especially like like actors, I think of actors, like they get catered to hand and foot. And after Mm -hmm. a while, that shit kind of gets to your head, I assume, I I imagine. And you start thinking that that line gets pushed further and further, like the boundary of what's right and wrong gets pushed further and further out. And you start getting this kind of sense of entitlement, like you can do whatever the fuck you want I, and get away with it.
1: I th- I think it I think it really depends because there there are plenty of actors out there who are huge stars and and by all accounts are still just incredibly nice people. Yeah. Um, like like Hugh I mean Hugh Jackman would be an example. Like apparently just like the nicest nicest guy. Like still very very humble. Doesn't um, you know? And he and he's been in just major blockbuster after major blockbuster. So I. I don't know I, I I think I think the the big difference is the sort of person that goes into Hollywood is often a very attention seeking sort of self centered kind of person, and that personality actually is a little bit maybe not necessary but helpful to being successful in Hollywood. And it's like yeah, and then if you get that sort of personality, and then you get everyone telling them they're great for, year, for years and years and years. Yeah, exactly what you said. But I think I think it's it's more a function of a specific sort of personality that gravitates towards Hollywood and show business um, than than purely like Hollywood like warping them. I think they're already inclined to that to be yeah. b- to begin with. And then once they get all that attention and everything, then it's just, you know, uh, an easy progression.
2: Um, I know there's a lot of, yeah, there's been a lot of shit going on. Well, man, it's, Jesus, I don't want to go into the dark side with this whole Peto Island thing. But there's like a lot of actors that have been listed to have been flying to and from Pedo Island with Epstein when Epstein was alive. And like I was surprised to see like some of the names on there. I was like, Tom Hanks, really? What the fuck? Like that's one guy I would have never. And there's not the, the. I guess the verdict is still out there. It's not like he has been accused of some some foul play, but um, know your friends, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, well, I mean, and that's that's one where
1: I I I hope that we we get the the details uh, all of it at some point. Just but i would not immediately assume that everyone is going there for the exact same reason yeah for 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 example uh one of the ones that's, that's gotten thrown out a ton where people are like like they're like bill clinton went there 20 times like and and some people, and sort of in the way the conversation was going, I think they expect they expect me to be like, no, Bill Clinton was going there for yeah. <laughs> just an honorable reasons. He would never do anything wrong. I'm like, I was like, yeah, let's be clear. I, I will, and I will, I will say this one where I was like, yeah, I wouldn't have said that. Dalia was I'm like, no, no, no. Bill Clinton was going to that island to fuck. Let's be Bill honest, Clinton was like going there
2: to get head by fucking young girls, dude. B-
1: but no, but it might have been twenty-year-olds. Okay, so they were just in Bill Clinton's case. Right, They were barely. Less. I don't know. I mean, so so this is the thing because I actually had done a bunch of uh, research on Hillary Clinton for for a book, and s- since way back when Bill Bill was still, I think he was when he was governor of Arkansas, they'd basically they agreed on a, a kind of like a one-way open marriage, huh? Where because this, this it's it's a weird dynamic like people don't realize like Hillary Clinton is super super religious like incredibly i mean um just an incredibly religious upbringing her their you know her her mom was religious her dad was a was a drill sergeant like she I, and and then Bill is, Bill's got his bill clinton things i mean and all the affa- all the all the affairs and all this stuff i mean that's been going on since i did not like, have sexual couple, relations
2: a, with that girl
1: yeah since a couple years after they'd gotten together um and there were, there was like a real breaking point where like she she was just going to leave him she's like fuck this and because of her mom having been ab- abandoned by her parents like hillary clinton's mom was abandoned by her by her, her, I guess, her grandparents when she was a little girl and like the super religious background, and the fact that they did have, uh, they, they had like a little baby at that point. Um, you know, that was one of many, many compromises that Hillary Clinton would make to sort of keep that, that crazy union with Bill Clinton together. And I think some of them were for family stability and for her daughter, and I think some of them were for, uh, you know an an ambition to do good for the country and i think some of them were for just an ambition for herself and her own power i think there is a whole mixed up mess and the one consistent in that whole tragic tale is that bill clinton fucks
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he likes uh yeah who doesn't but but just just be just be moral about it i guess just be uh Don't be a deviant asshole. If you are gonna be deviant, be deviant with like one person, I guess your wife, or I guess I don't know, husband. Well, and I
1: am not, and look, and I am not, I am not speaking to Bill Clinton. I don't, I don't know his his specific mindset. I think a lot of those those people, though, um, particularly the ones in power, it's like this fucking lie they tell themselves, where they're like, "Oh, I am not being a deviant." Like they're getting the benefit of sleeping with me, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe. Maybe this is young girls who are sort of coerced into being here, but I'm 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 not some you know some low life. I'm 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 this important person, and like they're like better for this experience. Like I, it, it, it's these like sort of twisted yeah. mentalities, and then then you got a guy like Bill Cosby, who I think just wanted power and was just a fucked up, twisted individual, especially especially. Because he was just extolling being this virtuous... Like, he was giving young black comedians shit for cursing yeah, on I stage. Yeah, I heard about that whole... with
2: uh, Motherfucker with, Bill Cosby. Who was the... Uh, Chris Rock, right? He'd be, like, telling Chris Rock... Or no, Bill- that, was, that,
1: was, that was... Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy was the, the, the famous yeah, one. Yeah,
2: where he was telling Eddie Murphy, why do you gotta be so dirty? You gotta be more wholesome. Blah, 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 blah. And, and meanwhile, he's putting uh, fucking...
1: Well, and I'm... I- I'm, I'm not going to try to do impressions because I, I mean, I would, I would embarrass myself. But like in this, I think it was in, in, I can't remember if it was in Raw or Delirious. It was one of, one of two uh, stand-up specials by Eddie Murphy. He was, he was telling that whole story, and he's like, he's like, I don't know what to do. Like, is it's, it's, um, Bill Cosby, this comedy legend, calling me, telling me I'm being too dirty on stage. So, so I called up Richard Pryor, and Richard Pryor said. Tell bill to shut the fuck up
2: <laughs> wasn't that the one where he's like tell him to have a co- to tell him to shut the fuck up have a coconut smile or something like that i, I could be wrong
1: sounds okay. right i actually that no that actually does sound right because i was trying to remember it and i thought it was like tell him to i was trying to remember if it was tell him to shut the fuck up and have a cup of coffee or something but coconut smile sounds more like a a, a richard prior term of phrase anyhow um so it, it it it's really weird because i i've I've heard a lot of um, grumbling and 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 people complaining about how there's so much cancel culture out there, and you can't say anything as a comedian any, anymore, and like the comedians are censored, and and you know if you if you make one bad joke, you're gonna have people trying to ruin your whole career, and I I think there's a couple things. I think one people have no concept at all about the history of comedy and two I, I think this whole idea of like uh, of that comedians are getting like quote-unquote canceled is so ridiculous because I haven't I have not seen one example not a single example of a comedian telling like a, a, a fucked up joke that really like pushes the boundaries. And probably goes too far, but it's like a, it was obviously well thought out, and they'd like written it, and they'd, they'd come up with it, and and then someone was like, "That's it. like pull them off the air, cancel them." I think the closest was probably Daniel Tosh, and it wasn't something in his act. it was something he said to a fan who was heckling them, and nothing actually came of it.
2: Well, they get themselves in trouble a lot. They've, it's 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 it, there's a history of comedians because because part of comedy is is to push that boundary and say some risque so shit. Who,
1: but so so that's always been the case. Yeah. And and you And then here's the thing: you got to remember pushing the boundary back when because a lot of people will say, "Oh, Lenny Bruce was the greatest comedian." And I, I mean, I think like he's actually kind of bad to by current day standards, but. For for what he was doing at the time, he was pushing boundaries and just like cursing on stage and being a little bit rough and like and talking about things outside of like, wow, the water fountain got me wet in the face, ha ha ha! Like yeah. that was like comedy back then. It was like just just stupid. Not even like the observational comedy of like the late eighties, early nineties. It was just hokey, like stupid bullshit. And he was going on stage and cursing and talking about. Um, politics and at the time that was really pushing the boundaries but like now that's nothing like you nothing that he said then would be even this slightly slightly uh, controversial the, le- like yeah controversial the, uh, the, or offensive The boundary
2: mail. though that boundary has moved it's moved further out what you can say yeah. can't say and 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 uh, it's always going to be walking that fine line like you're you're walking that but, like but, dangerous territory but what can, what can't you say now there's a lot of shit you can't say you can't use like what 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 well you can't say uh the uh what what can't you give, give me one topic that
1: you can't make a joke you
2: about you can't make fun of what? of of, of uh, mentally handicapped people you can't make fun of um you know, the, you know sexual uh preference like there, there's a lot of things where like you you so, so Dave, I mean,
1: Dave Chappelle did make fun of sep- sexual preference for like twenty minutes, and then followed up on that in his next stand-up special. And he, he seems to be doing. No, I'm okay. saying
2: you're right. I'm saying, but but it is definitely like you have to. You're you're walking a fine line, and you have to. And part of the comedy part of it is to be able to. Those people that are going to get otherwise offended is to make them feel like, "Hey, man, it's okay. You don't have to be offended. This is funny. It's a joke. We know we're walking a fu- we're, we're we know we're entering a danger zone here with certain so, topics, but it's okay. Let it be funny." Well, so so that's that's
1: really I think the crux of it. If you're talking about something that is a de- you know a delicate subject, something that that could potentially rub a lot of people the wrong way then what you're saying has to be well thought out and the jokes actually have to be good it's people that are just trying to get shock value yeah. and and don't really have the jokes to back it up that's a problem and but but again most mostly mostly it's people that um that are saying stuff off air or they're saying things that aren't even jokes and it's like just flat out racist or sexist or you know, in Bill Cosby's case, you know, drugging, and raping people, um, where where this is really coming up, and and just just to, just to kind of give you an example, this is the one that I remember. And this this when we're talk people are talking about like, wow, like we're really pushing the boundaries now. This was back in the 90s from a George Carlin special. You know, he was talking. He was talking about how. Um, you know, there there were certain things you couldn't joke about. He's like, you know, cranky old George Carlin. It's like I think that's bullshit. And he's like, they tell me it's like you can't talk about rape. You can't make jokes about rape. Rape can't be funny. He's like, Oh yeah? Picture porky pig raping Elmer Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
1: like fucking George Carlin. And it's like but and that's like what he did was it was it was a it was an interesting premise. He was talking about the, the subject and it's like that that image that he puts in your head is so perfect because you just <laughs> like, yeah. you, you 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 like even hear like the the audible part of it of elmer fudd be like oh no like you know and it's, it just
2: but but I, um, i'm willing to bet and it's probably a very small percentage of people out there i'm willing to bet mm-hmm. that there's somebody out there that's gonna say rape is never funny you know even yes. even using the Elmer Fudd porky pig whatever thing rape is never funny and they're just they're just too serious it's yes. too touchy of a subject for them maybe they've been a victim of rape or something and and to them it will well, never well, be funny
1: so so okay so, so there's there's a distinction it, it comedy a good comedian is going to offend somebody at yeah. some point it you your, your job is not to have a completely well i I should say unless you're you're, you're Jerry Seinfeld or, or uh, someone like that who's going for like super mass appeal, but there there's a big distinction between some people getting offended, but like ninety five per you know ninety nine percent of the audience and the general public being like this is fine, and people like um, God I can't remember the guy's name. There there, there was a a comedian who was was uh, hired to be on SNL and he fuck what was his name i think, so and basically what I, what i really i i think snl was like we're we're going to get sort of like a like a white guy that looks like he could be a trump voter and we're going to going to get get him on to to represent that demographic and after they hired him it came out that you know uh, like a year or two before he'd done a podcast where he was just they weren't even making jokes they were just using using racial slurs and um, speaking derogatorily about Chinese people and calling them chinks and, like, all this other stuff. And, was like, and he's like, I think if that dude had just been like, you know what, that was kind of fucked up. We were, we were sp- talking on a podcast. I was trying to be funny. It really wasn't. It w- there weren't even jokes. Like, I- I'm sorry, that's fucked up. I'm not going to do that again. I think he would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, but he, he tried to give this bullshit. It was like, you know, my comedy... Pushes boundaries and I'm you know I'm sorry if that offends some people I'm like that was a terrible apology you didn't actually apologize and that that wasn't comedy or jokes that was just you casually using racial slurs while speaking to another human like you and that that is the the sort of examples where I've seen people quote unquote quote getting canceled but you know it's like Dude, just just say you're sorry and move on, so, and you're gonna be so fine. So, does
2: comedy have is, is is comedy is good comedy and bad comedy have something to do whether or not people like you and or are popular? Because if you if you're not very well liked and you 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 say or whatever you make make a racy joke, you might not get the green light. You might not get the pass. But if you're someone that's had a good rapport, long history of being kind of you know kind of funny you you might get a you might get a free pass maybe but nowadays it feels like you can't even get a free pass
1: no no i don't think so at all because and this one i thought was sort of stupid um Ke- kevin hart like possibly the most well-liked people or one of the most liked people in comedy like he's just an inherently likable human being as far as i can mm-hmm. tell and you know it from where he was supposed to he' was supposed to host the Oscars, I think it was the Oscars it was one of those award shows and some some tweets from like ten years ago came out that yeah, were definitely in bad taste. I can't even remember what they were I think they're they were probably homophobic yeah, or something yeah, like that um and and then you know he didn't they didn't end up hosting the Oscars and it's like it's like okay like i that's one again where from ten yeah. years ago I, and there hasn't been any repeat incidents and anything. I, to me, that's a little bit different than a guy you're about to hire, you know, just over the course of 20 minutes dropping a bunch of racial slurs on a podcast that he he relatively recently recorded. That was different. But I was like, man, Kevin Hart isn't immune to this. And I, I guess nobody is. Um, but again, it's not like... Kevin Hart wasn't canceled. He went on to make like 15 movies after that and sell out stadiums and it's like, yeah, that's kind of annoying that he didn't get to host the Oscars. And he he didn't want to apologize for that those those uh tweets. Fine, man, that's your prerogative. I don't even know if he necessarily needed to, yeah. but he's not canceled. Yeah. Like he's he's still out there doing it. Um but, but again, I really draw the distinction between that and people who are actually incorporating those things in their act and preparing their audience for it. And it's not something that just comes out of left field in a tweet or during a podcast when you're like, what the fuck? Oh, this is what you actually think? For, for example, great example, Anthony Jeselnik has a joke about drowning a baby in a bathtub. Like that's that on the fucked up level, that that's pretty high up there. And I've I've never heard anyone say anything about that joke because A, people know he's joking. B, it's a phenomenally well written joke. And C, he prepared his audience, like he doesn't it's not like he just started with a drowning your baby in a bathtub joke. He kind of like built up to that. He kind of prepped people there. They're emotionally ready for it when it came, you know, he was, what's the word for what he was doing? Oh, right. Being a good comedian. Yeah. It's it's like, yeah, if you're a shitty comedian and you say racist, homophobic, misogynistic, whatever. Yeah. Maybe we're going to get some backlash of, out of it. Maybe, maybe sort of perfect your act uh, and, and build up to tackling stuff like that. Or, or at least, at least try to do it in a somewhat sensitive manner, um, where you're 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 not attacking other people. Does that yeah. make sense?
2: I could never be a comedian, dude. I I I I I think in general I play play it very safe. Just I live life playing it safe. I don't take a ton of risks. I think good comedians have to be able to take a giant fucking leap every now and again. Maybe. I don't there's there's a lot of different
1: sort of niches that uh, comedians can uh, can kind of live in. So I mean I like I mentioned Jerry Seinfeld, like that guy's not taking a lot of a lot of risks. He's not pushing the envelope. Like another guy who I actually think is funny. I've never particularly liked Seinfeld's comedy, but Brian Regan is hilarious. Like he's he you know, especially some of his early specials are just just really really funny and his jokes are largely making fun of himself and like they're about topics like a butterfly pavilion.
2: I like uh I like Jim Gaffigan. He's very clean. Very clean but very funny.
1: That's another one. Yeah, he he's he's tackling those delicate um what the? he's tackling those del- delicate subjects like hot pockets and eating too much yeah, cake. Yeah, like yeah. you you can you can be funny and be really successful. And and not be pushing boundaries like that. I mean, I, I uh like I, and 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 those are some of the most memorable bits. Like the, the Brian Regan one that I, that I always think of in everyday life was he was talking about like the the u two phrase. Like he doesn't know when to say you two, and he and he you know he's like yeah I would take a taxi to the airport, I'm getting out, and he's like okay you have a good flight. You, you too. I mean, like, if you ever do fly in the future, if you happen to take a flight, you also have a good flight. Okay, I'm gonna go now. You too. Bye. <laughs> like, and it's like it's funny and it's relatable, and you're like, haha. And he's not like, if someone gets offended by by that, um, they, they, they've got bigger bigger issues, and they're probably a crazy person. No one's gonna listen to him. So I'm, I'm saying, like, you don't you don't have to. I happen to think good co- comedy does push the boundaries, but it's like you 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 need some self awareness. You need to understand where where your your proficiency is and what you're actually capable of of sort of taking on, if that makes yeah. sense. You, you you would you would never you would never do stand up.
2: No, I couldn't do it. I I uh, I think I'd be okay in front of a stage. I think I'd be alright. I, I would still be shitting myself. Don't get me wrong. I think I'd be okay. And as long as the uh the joke writing was in place, I would do fine. Um
1: yeah, it's the hard part.
2: That's yeah, well it's it, it, it's different for everybody. Everybody's got different challenges. I think some people would have different like difficulty standing up in front of somebody where they can be good at writing, but you know. That's why some of these comedians have writers. Um some of these comedians are better at being writers than than performers, you know. Mm. The the only
1: time I've ever done stand up, I mean, and this 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 is like a very very loose approximation of it was it was when I was it was a uh, college coach during the summer, um, and I was working uh, like one of the camps. I mean, there's
2: there's this big camp circuit. I think you told this one on another episode before. Oh, did I? I think so.
1: I I thought I just told it to you off air. Maybe I did tell it on another episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, so just long story short, I, was, I, was, I just did uh, like 15 minutes of Mitch Hedberg material for, for some of the campers. Like, and it went really well because it's fucking Mitch Hedberg material. Like how could you go wrong with like some of the, the best written, just perfect jokes in, in the history of existence and none of them had ever heard it. So it's like, it made, made me feel like I was doing well. And, and I had that same, I was like, wow, if I had tried to tell jokes to this group that I did not write... Like, that would have been mortifying. Holy shit. Because when it was Mitch Hedberg jokes and they didn't laugh, in my head, I'm like, ah, they didn't get Mitch Hedberg's humor or, like, that. well, I told that joke and that that, that Mitch's joke just didn't land. But if it was like, ooh, like, these kids, like, think I'm a fucking idiot and this is stuff that I tried to come up with and it just wasn't funny Uh, and now I'm going to have to be around these individuals for three more days of camp. Oh, good lord. Like,
2: I, I, I like I like rice. Rice is really good if you want to have one thousand of
1: something. Rice is really good when you're hungry and you want yeah. one thousand of something. Uh, Man, I got an ant farm. Those fellows didn't grow shit.
2: <laughs> fucking bitch, Edward.
1: My my favorite one was still the, the D for donut. The donut. I went great. into a donut. I went into a donut shop, and I bought a donut. And the cashier said, "Would you like a receipt for the donut?" I said, "What? I give you the money." You give me the donut? End of transaction. Why do we need to bring ink and paper into this? Like, in what scenario would I have to prove that I bought a donut? Like, there would be some skeptical friend. Don't even pretend that you bought that donut. Like, what do you mean? I have the documentation right here in my filing cabinet under D for donut.
2: (laughs) He's got a lot of those good ones. It's
1: It's just perfect. Yeah, you cannot fuck up. Mitch Hedberg jokes. Like, you can certainly not tell them as well, but if you remember the words to the jokes, you're going to be fine. So, um, maybe, maybe, Armando, you can do stand up. You just have to become uh, a genius joke writer and do like safer material. And then you could, you could be, you could be like the, the, uh, the Latin Jim Gaffigan. You know, when
2: there was a period in my life where I used to think I was kind of funny, and it was, it was the period, um, when we were in college and we were all living in dorms, I used to think of myself as like a... Remember AOL Instant Messenger? Uh-huh. I used to think of myself as like an Instant Messenger comedian, like fucking genius savant. Like people would say something in like Instant oh. Messenger and I would come back with a like a quick one, like a, a well-thought-out, kind of smart-ass, cynical. I can't think of any right now, but back then I used to think I was good. <laughs> I'm not I'm not so funny anymore. I'm older and <laughs> so, so that that was at, at that
1: time like so so there's two different mu- kind of sort of like brain muscles that you can use for comedy um and the the first one is is sort of more like a George Carlin or an Anthony Jeselnik or a, um you know or even Met Hedberg where it's like it's like you're really it's really well thought out and you're sort of picking the exact right words and structure and it's more of sort of a written joke that then you have to sort of work towards it sounding natural. Um, and that was my problem. Like So in college, I, I would have funny shit going on in my head mm-hmm. all the time, except the problem was there'd be the conversation, they would, you know, that someone would say something, and I'd be like, oh, there could be a really funny joke there. And like three and a half, four minutes later, I would finally worked it out, and I'm like, oh, this yeah, is way too late passed. to say this now.
2: The, 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 the timing is, is gone. I get what you mean.
1: And, and sometimes I don't know if you remember. Sometimes I would still be like, "Oh, remember that thing we were talking about three minutes ago?" Here's this funny thing, and everyone's like, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, okay." But
2: that was so five minutes ago, Aaron.
1: <laughs> um, but then there's, there's there's a different sort of humor that is is more like kind of like the the locker room humor. The and this is more like like a, a Chris Salea or Brian Callen. Like I could see I see both of those guys. Probably being hilarious in like very short club settings where you don't have a lot of time to sort of build and set up the audience and, and kind of like where it's like you just have to be funny right away. I, I for, and by all accounts from people who are friends with Callan, he's absolutely hilarious at parties. It's 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 just a very sort of free flow. Like it's it's sort of like comedy jujitsu where it's like you're not you don't have time to like pick apart. You just have to go with the flow. And you know when when they they push you pull. And it's just a sort of very fluid given and react. And for me, that was a hard one to learn because it did not come naturally. But if you're dealing with with uh, a sports team, there's a lot of like people like giving each other shit and and like you know ribbing each other in the locker room and like like. And I did not know how to respond to that. I like the type of comedy.
2: I, I like there's certain. I guess I don't know if you want to call them genre or type of comedy. Like jokes where. They're not necessarily one one line. They could be one liners or a couple words where it's kind of like there's a ton of hidden context behind it. And like you're on the same level, like you might say something and, and it's like the, it's like an inside joke. Like if I said if I said to you, Aaron, Aaron Jaffe, f- exactly 15 beers. Uh-huh. Like you you kind of know what that's. Do you remember that? Maybe you don't remember that. Vigley. Christian Bollocker.
1: I don't remember the cont- well, that was a Bollocker yeah. one, yeah. But I'm right. saying,
2: like, there's certain things where I could say a, a, a one liner or a couple words here, or there, and uh, you know, if if you and I randomly one day in 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 a normal conversation outside of the podcast were to say um, excelsior to each other, like we we would laugh. We'd be like, right, that's that kind of like that uh, the inside joke kind of comedy's always always been fun and funny for me.
1: Well, that's that's the beauty of of stand up comedy specials. You you can start with an audience that's never seen the comic before, and if they're good, by the end of it, they'll have inside jokes from that hour. Right, yeah, and that's what it'll feel like. Um, but that's that's like I said. That's just sort of like building building up to it. I, I guess what I was trying to what I was trying to get around to is just that that sort of like quick snappy comeback or a lot of times they are kind of like, like little roast jokes, like slash put downs that that's just like a different sort of comedy. Like your brain has to work in a different way. And uh, that, that was one of the things I, I, in hindsight, I really felt bad about cause I sort of realized that I'm like, you know what fucking I'm sick of getting made fun of um, by people on my own team. Like fuck off. Why is this still happening in college? I'm just going to learn how to like deal with this. Like, and, Unfortunately, as I was practicing that sort of, like, comeback humor, I think that spilled over in the direction of my, my friends, and I, I think, I think, I was going to say unintentionally, like, no, I meant to do it, but I, I definitely said probably some mean-spirited things where I, I didn't really mean them, I was just trying to, like, come up with, like, jokes in that vein, because mm-hmm. um, I was sick of getting picked on, and, because, yeah, I don't know if you guys really, I mean, I... If it wasn't for the fact that I did not like the, the lacrosse team, I didn't get a, a, along with them well, and I was getting picked on, probably never would have joined the Lancers.
2: Yeah, yeah. you you felt a bit of a of a nowcast with the l- lacrosse team. It
1: was just it was just annoying. I was like, man, I had to deal with this shit when I was like a like you know small kid in middle school and early in high school. It's like now I'm like big. I could beat the shit out of any of them, mm-hmm. and now but now it's just you know they're not physically fucking with me because I, I would just. Shove their head in the toilet. Um, Now I'm just dealing with this like verbal verbal bullshit. Okay, I will I will conquer this arena too. Fuck all you guys. You guys are dumb jocks. I'm definitely smarter than you. Um, Get ready for this and then and then that. Unfortunately, that learning process was was not necessarily easy for for me and sometimes maybe not for my friends. So I I do feel bad about that.
2: Uh, We we uh, we all over the course of years and friendship, all of us that group especially, we all got to know strengths and weaknesses of each other and we gave each other shit and that was just part of the whole that was part of it all you know learning learning each other's I guess insecurities sensitivities and every now and again cracking a joke at those uh yeah it happens
1: yeah I mean and I guess to just sort of to sort of end it just to bring it full circle I'd say at this point I think I'm a lot less insecure I don't get about as, as touchy about a lot of things as I used to Unless you talk about my girl Roxanne Martifari, <laughs> and if you do, Armando, if you, if you do that ever again, I'm fucking coming for you. Like you and in the words of Al, Al Sterling, um, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. I should just fucking have ended it. Aljamein Sterling, when he was he's he trying to say he was, he was going to beat Peter Yan, he's like he's like Peter Yan, I'm going to come on your ass. I mean, I mean, I'm coming for your ass. I'm coming for your ass. God oh god. And and, uh, and I guess I guess. To 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 yeah to 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 summarize that you you don't mess with my girl Roxy and uh, quick snappy comebacks in the heat of the moment can be tough, um, and, and I think that's all I got to say about that.
2: Yeah, thanks for uh, listening to this this longer one. We kind of went all over the place with comedy and shit, but thanks for listening. Talk to you guys later. See you next week.